worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127, beginning at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. All of Psalm 127. Then looking in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. I've led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Verses 1 through 27, all of Proverbs chapter 4. Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for the wonderful gift, the powerful gift of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that your word is a book of grace, a book of light, a book of wisdom, a book of faith, and so, so much more. Help us, Lord, more and more to fall more in love with you and with your word and empower us to be wise enough to live a lifestyle where we fill our hearts and our minds with your word and a lifestyle where we're wise enough to Help our children to fill their hearts and their minds with your word and help us to be wise enough to walk in that truth, to live what we learn, to be hearers and doers of your word. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name we do pray. 
Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Rick Robertson. Rick is going to share a word of prayer with us at this time. Father, we come to lift high your name. We're so thankful for your precious Son, Jesus, who is willing to come down from the glory and wonder of heaven to live on this earth on a mission to die a terrible death on the cross for sinners like us. Thank you for stooping down and loving us in that manner. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. I want to remind you once again, if you don't have the habit of reading three chapters in your Bible every day today, it's a very great day to start that habit. And parents, for your children, we're encouraging, if you don't have this habit already of having your children to read three chapters out loud to you every single day, we'd encourage you to start that as well. Parents, you know, I can't overemphasize how important it is for us to help to plant the powerful eternal word in the hearts and the minds of our children. There's so much input our children receive from the world every single day, but nothing is more powerful, nothing will bless them, encourage them, and edify them more than the precious and powerful word of God. Our children need the word of God more than they need the air that they breathe. So parents, let's be wise enough to help them to fill up on the Word of God every single day. Hope that you will do that. We are blessed and honored to have with us in studio today Rory Groves and his daughter Elsie as well. Elsie Groves with us in studio. Rory is the author of the book Durable Trades, and he's going to talk about it today, as well as he's a unique follower of Christ in a number of ways, and he's going to tell us more about that. But Rory and Elsie, good to have you all with us today. Thank you for having us. Great, great to have you. And uh, I sort of introduced Elsie, but I need to let Dad do it correctly. Yeah. So, <laughs> Elsie, you want to say hello to our listeners? Hello. All right. And how old are you, Elsie? I am nine. Nine years old. All right. Well, thank you all for being with us today. And uh, Rory, I'm going to ask if you'll, um, in just a moment, to further introduce yourself, though, but I'm uh, grateful to have uh, Elsie with us today. And Elsie consented to read a scripture for us. And uh, I really like to have children and youth to read the Word of God for us on air. So she was going to read Psalm 1 for us out loud today. So, Elsie, as soon as you sit there, okay? Psalm 1 is beginning at verse 1 there, okay? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. All right. Very good. Thank you, Elsie. You're an excellent reader. Thank you for reading that for us. Well, Rory, again, grateful to have uh, the two of you with us in studio today. So I'm going to ask if you would take time now to further introduce yourself to us. And we're going to get into talking about both your book, Durable Trades, as well as some of the work and ministry the Lord has called you to. Yeah, well, thank you. And I'll have to say this is a great uh, divine appointment because Psalm 127 is our family verse. We love reading through that verse about the Lord building the house 
and the Lord watching over the city and children and inheritance from the Lord. So that is that was a confirmation to me just being here today that you brought that chapter up and that you asked Elsie to read uh, Psalm 1 because that's one we read in our homeschool mm-hmm. setting every so often, but it's it's the mission of why we're discipling our children mm-hmm. is to plant them like trees by streams of water. So that's that's one that we've also memorized in our household. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But yeah, so I was... Uh, uh, very grateful to be invited on. So thanks for having us. And um, a little about me, a little bit about me. We, um, my wife and I, Becca, uh, have been married for 17 years. We have five children. Elsie is nine. We have one older boy back at home, Ivor. And then we also have three younger. So Hattie is six and Alden is four. And in fact, I think he's turning five today, if I have the dates right. Am I right about that, Elsie? Mm. Yes. Ha- okay. Happy birthday, Alden. Mm. And Elias is two and one on the way. Roy, I want to ask you to do this. And if um, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to just cut you off there, though. But I, right near the beginning, I want to ask you if you'll pray for listeners to really have ears to hear all the Holy Spirit wants to say. Because uh, we had the privilege of having you during devotion this morning and... Just some both unique wisdom and insights that mm-hmm. the Lord has given you to share. And so to maximize our time, would you pray for believers to really have all the ears to hear that God wants them to have today? Heavenly Father, we would ask that in Jesus' name, you would remove all the roadblocks, the stumbling blocks that have been laid down by our culture, by our society, by friends, by relatives, by uh, any anyone in any way by by employers or whatever it is, things that have been roadblocks and hindering people from moving, moving forward to the next level of faith and obedience to you. We pray that you'd remove those so that everyone listening to this can receive the seed of truth that you have for them this day. Amen. 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 Okay, go right ahead then. Okay. Well, uh, we didn't have the five kids and the sixth on the way when we moved to our farm 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mainly just uh, wanted to learn a little bit about the country life. We had grown up in the suburbs, my wife and I. We really had no idea what we were getting into, but we liked the idea of getting maybe mm-hmm. a few chickens and mm-hmm. maybe planting a large garden. So, so, you, we, did, so you didn't oh, grow up in... No, we did not. Oh, we did okay. not. Uh, there are some farmer relatives in the family, but a distant cry from where we were and our parents were involved in, you know, very different things. But we both were raised in the church and grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had no uh, concept of what it was like to be on a farm, to live on a farm, and to really try to raise our own animals, grow our own food, these kinds of skills uh, that we started to desire and to crave to become more self-sufficient. These were things that were being birthed in our heart 10 years ago, and we didn't really know what to do with that mm-hmm. other than uh, just take one step of faith and obedience. So we moved to, to a uh, small farm in southern Minnesota, and little by little we'd been learning about these aspects, things that we say, you know, my wife likes to say, what our great-grandparents knew mm-hmm. uh, but has been lost through the generations. As we, you know, in our professions today, there used to be at one time uh, 80% plus of the population were farmers. Uh, around the turn of the t- century, it was uh, a turn of the last century, it was around, you know, 30 to 50% of the population were farmers. Mm-hmm. 
And so these are skills that had been handed down, if you think about it, all the way back to Adam. Generational skills about how to take care of the land, how to raise your own food, how to be a self-sufficient family. These, this was common knowledge for all of human history. And something had been lost along the way. So mm-hmm. we had this craving in our heart to relearn some of those things. And that's kind of what brought us out to the country to start with. Mm. Now, you know, that's that's pretty unique in it because, I, at least from my perspective, I, like I had the privilege of growing up in the country mm. and learn how to do a little farming, that sort of thing. Yet it seems to me often when children grow up in a, in the city or in a city setting, they think of living in the country as being primitive, mm. something they would never want to mm. do and have no interest in and think, what in the world do they do out there where, where there's nothing to do? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a world they just don't understand. Yes. But that's a little different to be have not grown up in the rural, but you move out to the rural. So. Oh, absolutely. One of the things that you find out right away when you move out to the country is how little you actually know and understand <laughs> compared to your neighbors who've been farming for four or five generations. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I mentioned this in my book, but if I said, uh, if you want to, I'm a computer programmer by trade, and I say uh, in the book, if you want to, see ignorance, try teaching a computer programmer how to change the sickle bar on a John Deere 37 mower. (laughs) But you go down to the street to the neighbor and it's like, they look at you odd, like, how come you don't know how to do that? (laughs) So Mm. for me to get on one of these old tractors and try to learn how to bale hay, might as well just put me in charge or put me into a space shuttle and tell me to fly to the moon because it's Mm. as foreign to me as the same thing. You know, the thing about people that live in the country and they maybe don't realize they know a lot of information. If they mm-hmm. grew up around this, there is a lot, a lot of unique of skills that skills. others just don't have. Building, repair, growing food, taking care of animals. These are things that they a lot of times they take for granted. Mm. In the city, you're highly specialized. You don't have a hand in a lot of different areas. You're not a generalist like you are in the country. I'm going to jump in right here. We'll pick up there on the other side. Our in-studio guest today are Rory Groves and his daughter, Elsie. He's the author of Durable Trades. We'll be right back. Slowly but sure 
Todd Smith with Call All Fathers. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our in-studio guests today are Rory Groves and his daughter Elsie. And Rory is the author of the book Durable Trades, Family-Centered Economies That Have Stood the Test of Time. And Rory, before we just really move further into this segment, I'm going to ask, would you pray for fathers? Pray for fathers. Mm, as an absolutely. Yes, Lord, fathers are in for the fight of their lives, and Calling All Fathers is an apt uh, a song to be listening to and to singing and to rally around. So, Lord Jesus, would you impress upon the hearts of fathers this day to rise, to be counted, to wake up, and to take back what the enemy has stolen, and to bring back into the rightful place in their homes the mission and the vision that you have for each and every family today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, if you'll pick up where you left off, you were sharing about just your journey in moving to the farm and just the mission you have, you and your family have taken on in following the Lord and carrying out that calling. One of the things that I noticed right away when we were working on the farm, which at the time we would consider it a hobby, uh, is that, uh, you know, baling hay or planting the garden or weeding the garden and weeding the garden and weeding the garden or s- <laughs> cleaning the stalls. Or, uh, there's a lot of dirty jobs on the farm, but mm-hmm. one of the things that, we, that I recognized right away was that we were always working together. Mm-hmm. And when I would leave the farm activities to go to my quote-unquote real job, I was alone. As I mentioned earlier, I was a computer programmer. And so my real job that really brought in the bread and the butter and and provided for the family, there was no meaningful way for my family to be involved in that work. And I didn't really think much about it at first, but over time as we had been doing this and my my kids were growing a little older and and my we were adding more to the family really started to weigh on me. Why isn't there a way for families to work together in this day and age? Or is there, I should say, is there a way? Mm-hmm. I, I came across this concept of the family economy. And I, when I read about that, it really stuck with me. And I, really, um, I was really convicted that this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. I, I don't, it's not about the money, and every father knows that. There is some basic provision, yes, but... The money itself is not the the attraction. That does not have the staying power. It's really about building strong, healthy families that brings you the fulfillment as a father. And so for me, that became the driving motivation is 
is there a way for us to work together as a family and build something that will last? Mm-hmm. Because that's the other thing that I ran up against is everything that I was building in computers and technology would go obsolete right away. Mm-hmm. You know, and I go into that in the book a little bit. But I wanted to build something with my family that would last mm-hmm. and that I could pass on to my children and to their children. In Proverbs, you know, he says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Mm-hmm. And so thinking generationally and trying to come up with that was the impetus of what became this book, Durable Trades, mm-hmm. family-centered economies that have stood the test of time. Could you share with our listener now, if someone wants to get the book or just learn more about the work and the mission of what you do, how can they do that? Yeah, if you go to our website, gatherandgrow.us, is probably the best way to, to figure out what's going on uh, with our book. We publish a quarterly newsletter about faith, family, and farming. Uh, there's information about the book there as well. Uh, but you can also get the book in any bookstore. Uh, mm-hmm. You can order it online. Um, we'll see if uh, American Family Association will stock it in their bookstore. Mm-hmm. And then um, you can get it right right from here. But, um, uh, yeah, the book's available anywhere, and we'd love to connect with you through gatherandgrow.us. Uh, we started just under a year ago, we started a ministry called Gather and Grow, and the idea is simply to do to extend what we've been doing already in our own family is to help other families build their own family economies. Because what we discovered and what the book goes into, it literally goes through historical family-based businesses that have survived mm-hmm. the last 150, 200 years of industrialization and uh, corporatism and fragmentation and wars and pandemics and all of the upheavals you can imagine over the last couple hundred years. It's sur- these professions in the book have survived all of those and maintained some level of family-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I go into this family economy concept. So I go through in detail and describe different options available to families today to still earn a living while working together. Mm-hmm. But it really comes back to a, a twofold thing of being prepared for an uncertain future, building strength into your own family rather than relying on corporations and governments to supply everything that you need, but really bringing back the strong households as designed as God designed us to be in the family through the scriptures. It's kind of calling all mm-hmm. fathers. Well, Rory, would you say then in part a part of the message of the book would be are you encouraging lots of fathers to consider moving out into the rural and mm-hmm. starting a farm and their family coming with them? Is that- well, yeah, and so one of the things people like about the book is that it's not just about becoming a farmer. I'm not okay. proposing that that's the solution for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's 61 trades in the book, and by trades, some of them are hands-on manual labor. Some of them are not. Some of them are... Uh, um, you know, more clerical involved trades. But the point is that they've been around for 200 years or longer since mm. the founding of our country, in fact. What would be some of the trades you, you refer to? Yeah, well, I mean, just going through some of the top trades would be like, um, of course, farmers in there, but also uh, animal husbandry, so shepherding. There's uh, gardening and painting and carpentry, and innkeeping and translation or, or uh, an interpreter. Um, there's, uh, silversmiths and metalsmiths, um, apothecary, cooks, um, barbers, publishers, ministers. So there's a number of different ways in which people can get involved 
in a more family-centric type of profession. See, what Mm -hmm. I'm coming up against and what we are all facing is back around the founding of our country, there were at most about 70 distinct professions that you could enter. Mm -hmm. Today, we're well over 30,000. So when you go and get educated and possibly get a degree and pick a field to enter, you're picking a highly, highly specialized vocation. And usually how that ends up working out is you're in it alone. Mm-hmm. You're doing one profession that you cannot bring your whole family into. One example I'll just share is that when back when industrialization and the, the revolution was kind of starting out and men started going to the coal mines to work, their whole families would up and move to the coal mines with them. It was unthinkable for a father to leave his family to go to work. Work was what the family would always do together. Mm-hmm. And so for a time, for a season there, the whole families would pick up and they'd set up camp outside the coal mines and they'd just be wherever dad was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can even as far up as the Civil War, there would be soldiers and and uh, colonels and generals in the army who whose families would travel with them on the battlefield. They'd set up hmm. tents. They'd, they were a unit, a single functioning unit. And today you have fathers are taking a job and they're they're gone from the family 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Maybe there's a lot of travel involved. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes mom is working outside the home. The children are in school, by segregated by age. So you have even brothers and sisters are not in the same classroom together for the majority of their uh, day. And so you have the family is just an incredibly divided time right now for the family. Mm-hmm. And what this book is, is really, it's a treatise on saying, let's bring families back together. Let's get working together again, not only for our own well-being, but also because also because work creates the context in which discipleship and mentorship, which has always been part of the work process, but it happens naturally in a working context. Uh, not in a deliberate, um, let's meet for coffee every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. It's like, no, come on out to the farm. Let's work together. Mm-hmm. Let's build that fence. You know, I, Ivor and I, we're, we're, we're doing more time discipling when we're trying to repair the pig fence than any other time when we're just hanging out around uh, the dinner table. Because mm-hmm. when we work together, these conversations come up and you have opportunities to really pass on the heritage that you value the values and the ethics and the culture. Well, you know, um, you mentioned several different trades that you touch on and you speak to in your book. And a number of them, I guess, I I guess that's one of the reasons why uh, a listener needs to get the book and read it, because I I definitely don't quite see how certain of those professions you mentioned could end up being family oriented. But you do explain that in your book then. So the way I did the book is, yes, uh, I rank all of the trades, first of all, that are durable. So mm-hmm. we have the durable trades, the, the trades that have survived the worst upheavals in history and are likely to continue being around for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I rank them according to their family centeredness. There's a couple different factors, family centeredness, um, historical stability, resiliency. So, so for example, how well do they stand up during recessions, right? We're probably heading into a recession now. We're likely already in a recession. Uh, but what, how, which trades do better in recessions? Which ones do better, uh, 
during um, you know war time or different kinds of things where or sh- or supply chain shortages. I go into that in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's different ranking factors, and so if you look at the list, number one trade is going to be the most family centric, the most durable, and then number sixty is going to be less so, mm-hmm. um, but it's still durable because it's survived for a long time. What's number one? Shepherd. Shepherd, okay. Yep, working with animals. Hmm. Um, this can be anything from raising uh, puppies, uh, if you're getting into dog breeding, to having a dairy farm. But basically, the long tradition of human beings taking care of animals creates the most conducive environment for families to work together. Mm-hmm. And it also resists, I hear the barnyard back there, mm-hmm. it also resists automation. Mm-hmm. Whereas farming has seen an incredible amount of mechanization Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, individual farms now spanning thousands or tens of thousands of acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to animals, you do see some of that factory mo- system, but a lot of the animal uh, uh, husbandry takes place with the same way today as it did thousands of years ago when there were shepherds on the hills seeing the angels declare uh, the arrival of our Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's it's individual people taking care of unpredictable animals continues to keep this profession at a, a very manageable human scale. Well, you know, <clears throat> Rory, uh, I'm not, and of course I, I'm not really sure to what extent you may address this in your book though, but I think one of the realities is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we live in a society where more and more, and of course you just alluded to it, you find where the small farms have disappeared mm-hmm. because so many things have become large-scale, big companies, mechanized, and that sort of thing too. And so just I, I just think, for example, my grandfather was a dairy farmer for many years and took care of his family, raised them as a dairy farmer. Well, at a certain point in time, well, they they would transport milk in milk cans. Well, at a mm-hmm. certain point in time, if you were going to stay in the industry, the industry required that you go to a truck coming and you get a, a large tank where you put all the milk in. Some farmers did it, but most didn't. Mm. So he did transition at that point. But of course, now it seems like it's much larger scale. And if you don't, aren't able to provide much more, you basically get pushed out of the industry. So do you address that in the book? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's part of the historical stability that we measure and and what we look at is how how much has the trade changed Mm -hmm. since the time period. I mean, you're still, you're always going to have farming, but farming looks a lot different today than it did 200 years ago, Mm -hmm. obviously. And, and so we, we look at that now on, uh, and we, we take that into a factor when we score these different trades according to different possibilities. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I will just comment on that is the entire thrust of the Industrial Revolution and really the way our society has been organized and organizing is around efficiency. Mm-hmm. And what well, we need to ask is, is efficiency the most important thing or our relationships in we'll there pick somewhere? Up, we'll pick up right there on the other side. Our in-studio guest today, Rory Groves and his daughter, Elsie. He's the author of the book, Durable Trades, Family-Centered Economies That Have Stood the Test of Time. We'll be right back.
music from Elevation Church with O Sing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our in-studio guest today are Rory Groves and his daughter Elsie. And Rory is the author of the book Durable Trades, Family-Centered Economies That Have Stood the Test of Time. Rory, share with our listeners again, if someone wants to get in touch with you or would like to get the book or just want to learn more about the work and the ministry you and your family are called to, how can they do that? Certainly. If you come to gatherandgrow.us, that's our website, uh, you can find more information about the book. You can also find the book anywhere books are sold. Um, But we publish a quarterly newsletter on family, faith, and farming where we try to walk out this concept of the family-centered economy in uh, articles and in examples of other families. One of the things that we have been sharing a little bit about is there are a lot of families, not everyone, but a lot of families are really feeling a burden right now to change, to make some life changes, to be more present with their children, to bring their children into the work and to do something together as a family. We've just become so fragmented as a society. And so one of the things that we try to do is to share their stories and mm-hmm. to inspire and to encourage each other on this walk. Okay. Um, so. Well, so, you know, nowadays, of course, after uh, with all that happened with the pandemic and some people being able to work at home, how does that affect what you're speaking of? Does that in any way move people in that direction or not necessarily? Oh, uh, yes, completely. The book came out in late 2020, but it had already been written. Mm-hmm. And so some of the concepts I was talking about, like the possibility of a disruption to the supply chain or the possibility mm-hmm. of a recession or depression. So you had, you had alluded to that in the book then. So. Oh, I spend a great deal of time setting up what's called brittle systems, the fragile way of life that we live in, which is really uh, uh, the kind of highly complex state of affairs that we find ourselves in today in this highly industrial society is very unusual. We are the anomaly of history, as one of the historians has said. The normal way of life is low complexity. It's simple lifestyle, subsistence farming, those kinds of things. And so, to put it in farm terms, we're living high off the hog and have been for a long time. (laughs) Hmm. And so, um, yeah, I I spend a good, the first part of the book justifying why does it matter? Why do we need durable trades? Why do our professions have any bearing? Why don't just make some money and put bread on the table. Well, it matters. Mm-hmm. It matters. We need to be resilient people. We need to we need to have a backup plan if the megastructures and the corporations and the government supports are not there for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, the, uh, Stein's Law says something that can't go on forever will stop. One mm-hmm. of the things that can't go on forever is we can't spend our way into deficit to, to stimulate prosperity forever. At some point, mm-hmm. that will stop. So there are many tells on the, on the, on the uh, warning signs, and I think families, especially young fathers I've seen especially, have a heart and a burden to do something. I've spoken to some young men around here today, and they feel it. Mm-hmm. They want to have more of a hand in what they're producing and what they're providing beyond just a paycheck. Well, so Rory, so the book would be a great tool for a father to read and to to begin to understand the concept and then to prayerfully consider if the Lord might be calling him to do something 
that you speak of in the book then, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. It kind of lays out the case. It's the argument for why this way of life is precarious and probably won't go on forever. Mm -hmm. By this way of life, I mean this highly industrialized pursuit that continues to fragment the family. But then it also gives some practical examples based on doing three years of research of what are the professions that are available to families today Mm-hmm. who want to build something that's durable and something that will last and do it together as a family. So now, are you a full-time farmer now then as far as what you do? Well, one of the one of the pieces, no. <laughs> what we do is we focus on self-sufficiency. So, mm-hmm. yes, we do farming and shepherding. We also write and teach. And then we have this ministry that we're starting to try to help other families move into build out their family economies for us the farming aspect of it is not to make money we just brought a hundred chickens into um uh the butcher shop before i came down here the other day Mm -hmm. and um elsie here sitting next to me Mm -hmm. she uh, helped me feed those chickens right elsie Mm -hmm. i didn't help you i fed them myself (laughs) (laughs) she took over the broiler chicken operation but so those chickens what we'll do is we'll have Half of those chickens or so will sell mm-hmm. to people who are interested in pastured poultry and, and healthily raised chicken. Mm-hmm. The other half we'll keep for ourselves. Okay. So the focus on for us on the farming aspect isn't so much converting into money, but as to what do we, what food do we need for our own family. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of benefits that we don't have time to go into with that, not just the least of which being health benefits, mm-hmm. but having really good quality food that you don't have to pay for because you're raising it yourself. Mm-hmm. But the other aspect is that we really feel called into a ministry of teaching and writing and continuing to tell, you know, encourage and inspire other families this direction because we really feel that we see you see so many young families that feel the same same kind of pull, but they don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is, you know, you asked me about prayer prompts. This is our prayer prompt. Mm-hmm. We are continually, and on the back of every newsletter, you'll see this. We are asking people to pray with us that God would part the seas for families who want to work together mm-hmm. because there are so many dads that come to be and they want this. They want some way to work together, but they don't know how to cross that sea. It seems impossible. And so this is, this is the mission and this is the prayer before us is, Lord, this seems like an impossibility in our culture and our age when you have all of these things before us, debts and you have um, a, a job, you know, a steady job that brings in an income, but it takes you away from your family. How, Lord, can we cross that sea mm-hmm. and and come up with a way to work together, to be together, to disciple my sons and my daughters, you know, to build something that will be generational, not just bringing home the paycheck, but a generational inheritance? And the answer to that question is I don't know because every family is unique and every vision mm-hmm. is different. But God has a plan, and if you take the first step in faith, trust that God will give you the second step, and eventually you'll find yourself on the other side of the sea. You know, uh, one of the things that come to my mind, Rory, in relation to what you're speaking of is that, and this, of course, this is an important part of simply being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's important that we develop our prayer life to where we learn to listen to God for ourselves because God does have a strategy for each person, each individual, each family. But outside of 
spending time, serious time in prayer and listening to the Lord, there are many things that people will never listen and hear if they're not really seeking and listening to the Lord for themselves in that regard. You absolutely have to be led by the Spirit Mm -hmm. now more than ever. I mean, this is a time to be discerning because there are many deceptions in our world. And I, I feel that many in the church have fallen for the deception of the enemy, which has fragmented our families. In other mm-hmm. words, which has said, this is a good thing. You can make an income if you leave the family and you do this job, mm-hmm. right? Well, we have generations now of people who have done just that. For all of human history, families work together for 5,000 years plus. And then we have in the last 150, 200 years, the family splitting apart to find an income, a source of provision that's not being built up themselves at their, at their own estate. Mm. They're doing it off their home, away from home. And you have just this utter decimation of the family integrity over time. And you have the rise of governmental power and the rise of corporate power and all of these different things that have come in and really re- replaced the subsistence of the family and replaced it with some other party that fills that need. So, um, yes, absolutely. I think that this this is the time, and it starts when dads, as I shared this morning, dads have to receive a vision for their families. Mm-hmm. If dad does not have a vision for your family, there is no nowhere to go at that point. Mm-hmm. It's not mom. It's not the kids. It's not what the neighbors are doing. It's not what the television is saying you should do or what the news headlines are. It's a vision from God given to dad mm-hmm. to rise up and move forward and rally his family around a common vision and mm-hmm. walk forward together. That's what needs to be in place first. So you need to spend time on your knees until you have that. Mm-hmm. And then you need to start walking in faith. Well, you know, our time is almost gone, but I'm going to take time now specifically to pray mm-hmm. for believers and for their prayer lives because that's such an important part of learning to listen to God, to walk with God and follow God. Father, thank you, Lord, for every believer listening. Thank you for your hand of grace upon each and every one of us. Father, anoint every listener, each and every one of us, anoint us afresh with the spirit of prayer. And Father, bless each of our prayer lives indeed. Expand their territories. Cause your hand to be mightily upon them. Keep them from evil. that may not cause pain. Stir us to be the people of prayer you've called us to be, who walk with you in prayer, who are seeking you, listening, seeking your heart, listening to you for guidance, for direction, for a vision for what you're calling us to do as we follow you and as we lead our families as well. And then more and more help us to grow an understanding of the fact that prayer is, yes, it's listen, it's talking to you, but a huge part of prayer is simply listening to you, listening to your voice, listening to your counsel as you direct us in the direction you'd have us to go. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, and as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today, you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to be saved, to give your life and commit your life fully the Lord. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with me and commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so very much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. 
Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Make me the person you would have me to be. You said in your word, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to live my entire life following you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we invite you to please email us at my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We very much would like to share with you some literature, some resources that will help you to begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'd like to pray with you as well. So again, simply email us again, joseph at afr.net. Uh, Rory Groves and uh, Elsie as well, thank you all so much for being with us today. And share with our listeners one more time, if they'd like to get the book Durable Trades, Family-Centered Economies that have stood the test of time, if they'd like to get the book or learn more about your ministry, how can they do that? Thanks so much. We Just have them come to our website at gatherandgrow.us. All right. Well, thank you, Rory and Elsie. Good to have you all with us today. Thanks so much for having us, Joseph. And thank you for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.